This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Oh my God. It's that driving beat. It's relentless, isn't uh, it, man? It will not relent. Oh, it just will not. And, uh, and neither shall we, because uh, we're on the airwaves of 3RRR. This relentless, wonderful bastion of good taste and independence here in beautiful downtown East Brunswick. You know it. And thanks to the scientists for 60 minutes of awesomeness. Boy, they left quick. Oh, no, they're still bumming around in the studio over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. well, there was a vanguard that just went, wow, we were out of here. They're packing up, they're putting their lids back on the beakers. It must be a great Sunday because uh, people want to get out into it. And uh, we thought at the top of the show we might say yes. uh, that if you have an event on that you want us to mention during the hour, mm. food-related, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, not the fact that, say, Moda Classica is up... Uh, the exhibition buildings. Or, or you don't want to plug your garage sale, for instance. No. 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 Uh, you know, even if you have got a matching thing of Tupperware to give away. But you're, just, so. you're saying we're here, dear listener, to serve you. So if you yeah, have... Yeah, well, if you've got an event on, the, yeah. the, on, you know, something going on today that would be worthy on this great uh, Sunday. Tweet it to us. Yeah, what's our tweet? Uh, at... at- Eat it, R, R, R. R, R, Yeah, nice and easy. So uh, welcome to the afternoon here on the R's... Going to be a good show. Mm. Um, first of all, big g'day to everybody listening on the stream, the electronic stream. Yes, zeros and ones, zeros and ones. Or indeed, if you're listening on radio on demand, because it's you know time travel's been a big feature of the week. Oh, very nice. So you could be you listening. might be Marty McFly saying, "Gosh, I wish I'd listened to that show last yes, week." You can, you can, and you don't even have to get into. Uh, uh, a questionable uh, yeah, pretty average car. supercar, yes, built in uh, Northern Ireland, Ireland. Uh, by, uh, and financed by Coke money. Oh, really? Well, it was for a while. He went, um, I don't know where he got taken to j- Anyway, well, tangent, 12.04, <laughs> 3RRRFM, today's show, we're looking at uh, a beauty. We're celebrating, well, three ingredients, really. Yes, three things. Are. Now, we wouldn't normally recommend you put these three together, but we think on today's show, it's going to work pretty well. It could. Could no, you could have that in sequential type thing. Mm. We're um, we're looking back. We're looking back at uh, the Melbourne Salami Festival. We're here to hear what a sensation it was. One yes. point between the winners. Really? So yes, sir. Uh, Hard fought. Hard fought. Yes. yes. Linda Catalano will be here to just tell us what went down at Northcote. Yes. For the Salami Festival. But there's about 6,000 people. It was just chock-a-block. But yeah. anyway, we're going to be doing that. So the first thing is salami. Tick. Next, we have a, uh, well, we've got someone who's representing Tongan Vanilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Boggess, who's, yes. uh, I'm going to say this probably not so well, uh, Halilia Vanilla, which comes from Tonga, which is uh, one of the things that's putting Tonga on the food map, shall really? we say. Really? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about what is vanilla. Yes. Because a lot of us are used to the vanilla essence. Yes. Which I, oh, look at you. There you oh, go. It's There's my, that. My little frown. Oh, your little nose went all crinkly. Yes. <laughs> went, and, and, and dare I say it, for those of you that maybe have not experienced a real vanilla flavor, mm. real vanilla bean, um, we were talking before and it's sort of like watching the difference between black and white TV and 1080 on a flat screen. I would agree with that. Yes. yes. Thank you very much. Yes. And uh, so looking from that focus on vanilla and uh, and the growing of it in Tonga and this new brand that's coming in, mm-hmm. uh, Helilia, which I hope you remember, then 
because it is this time of the year. Mm-hmm. It is this time of the year where, I don't know, we're watching, people are watching sport. They're watching, mm-hmm. they're watching horses go around a track. Yes. Um, things like that. Yes. The football's over, but anyway. But you might have a glass of sparkling in your hand. Yes. And we thought we'd get Rita Relic. She's on her way here at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the history of champagne. Mm-hmm. And what a history it is. Yeah, indeed. It's, um, it's pretty good. And uh, what have we got uh, to well, start us off? I forgot to mention that uh, Matt Wilkinson will be in with Jennifer as well. Oh, did I not mention Matt? No. Sorry, Matty. He's in the kitchen. He's not, just, going, he's, he's not, just, he's not just wandering around. Oi, what am I, a chopped liver? <laughs> he came and brought us chicken sandwiches, which I devoured. Yeah, you inhaled I yours. I just went. It's gone. So Matty's here. He's, um, he was actually in Tonga at uh, the Vanilla Plantation. So yes. he has first-hand experience. Uh, of the growing of the vanilla, and also he's going to be great to have a chat too because what a fabulous chef this man is mm. and an understanding of, of ingredients and things like that. So we get his take on using vanilla. It doesn't have to be for sweet things. You can mm. actually use it in, as a savoury spice. So anyway, mm. we're going to do that. Food quote for the day. Drum roll. Drum roll. Can you do one? Actually, I probably can't. You were a drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Not not a good one, though. Paradiddle. (laughs) Paradiddle me now. Anyway, cabbage. As a food, has problems. It is easy to grow, a useful source of greenery for much of the year, yet, as a vegetable, it has original sin and needs improvement. It can smell foul in the pot, linger through the house with pertinacity, and ruin a meal with its wet flab. Cabbage also has a nasty history of being good for you. And that's Jane Grigson, um, who sadly is no longer with us. 928, 1990. We actually had to pull out the dictionary, didn't we? What was that word? Pertinicious. What was it? Pertinicity. Pertinicity. Which um, sort of means to, uh, it, 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 uh, well, it's to a a view that you hang on to. So it's sort of that holding firmly to an opinion or a course of action. There you go. You could apply that to our current government. I shouldn't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. All right, look, uh, let's, uh, time's marching on. Yes. Through the hour, we better get moving. Uh, we're going to go and grab uh, Linda Catalano, and she's going to tell us what went down in uh, the Northcote Town Hall in regards to the Salami Fest. 12.10. Actually, it's 12.11 mm. here on 3 FM. It's a wonderful Sunday. But it was even crazier last week. If you happen to be in the precinct of Northcote where there was this great, well, not so much consternation, but a celebration of, uh, of culture. And uh, to tell us, to just make sense of what on earth went on, we have Linda Catalano from the Salami Fest. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, an absolute pleasure. We've caffeinated you, which is good. It's important. It is. It is. Um, it was, first of all, let's just work back. How many years had Salami Fest been going for now? That was our fourth year. That was the fourth year. And it all started with just this idea, this crazy idea. And, uh, and dare I say it, uh, that, you know, people like the Calabresi, they, they thought they owned this. It is true. They and, did. But it, the crazy, and the wonderful thing about it is the evolution of this festival. Who won? Tell, tell, give us a, a feel about what happened last Sunday. Well, last Sunday was pretty amazing, and the final result for the competition was very controversial. So we had our inaugural um, 
pig procession. It was our very first one. The, to, what? The pig procession. The so pig we, procession. We had a pig statue that was hoisted on people's shoulders as the Italian men's choir, the Coro Furlan, sang oh, as the beginning hell. to announce. Can <laughs> you can you sense the drama oh, in the I'm studio? I'm almost weeping already. Oh, and everyone's crying. There were tears. Was it a golden pig? There were tears. It it, it was a bronze bronze pig. pig. Oh my god. Um, I, I I must show you some pics when this yeah. interview is done. But it was this. So show it was, me the pig pics. So it was it was it was high drama, and oh. and there was only one point uh, difference. Whoa, whoa, yeah, and the be- between going. um. The, the who, one, first between and whom? Place. Okay, now tell me, who are these contenders? Who are the contenders? So, um, it was a total outside team. Of course, took, it was. This is this took is what the competition. I'm, I know. This is what's crazy. It was our first female team captain. Yeah. The amazing Barbara Marshall. Barb. Put together a Facebook group of like-minded people <sighs> to make salami. That was me, sorry. And, yes. and they made a French-style saucisson. Saucisson. Oh, my God, that would have been controversial just from the start. Just from the, the Italians start. going, what? 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 And, the, and believe me, they did because oh, there was a lot of pork in it, but there was also some duck. Oh, my God. There, there. I said it said out it. loud. Yeah, yeah. The winning salami this year contained some duck. Duck. Now... Um, Matt's writing furiously. So he's just know, got it's, 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 Scoop Stedman. It's just going, oh, my God. It, look, and it, Stop has, the presses. it has been met with outrage yeah, by, by other competitors. Yeah. I had more than one person come up to me and go, what the, what the guy? Uh, Melinda, a, a, a pig is not a duck. A duck is not a pig. Oh, and fantastic. I'm like, a duck is not a pig. It's true. A pig is not a duck. But, but you, you would have had to go through the Constitution and read through the rules and it would have said... Well, actually, what we're trying to do here, I'm trying to remind all of the competitors that yeah. we're competing in good fun, and it's oh, about sharing the oh, culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Everyone's super Tell, competitive. Telling a, telling a calabrese that they've they've added something that they shouldn't to a dish. But yeah. it's actually a really old French style uh, recipe, yeah, and it's um, valid, man. There, there was <laughs> totally valid. Um, but there was um, uh, someone of Italian origin in that team, um, the beautiful James Mele, whose father was a butcher, and so what so, it is is that yeah. combination. of... It's actually the ultimate Australian salami, I reckon. And this is the great thing. And this actually shows the great evolution because, as I was saying, it was assumed that this would be sort of owned by the Italian – yeah, let's call it the Italian migrants, which, you know, own this whole process. It's like, hey, it's wintertime. We get the pig. We make the salami. And then we eat it for for the year. And last year it was sort of appropriated, I think, by the hipsters. A little bit. A little bit. A little, little bit. Um, but I think it's important to remember that of the top 10, the vast majority are still Italian families. And the number two contender was former champion Remo Palermo. Oh, well, there you go. So Remo, Remo. Remo. got pipped at the post by one point. point. One point. One point. <laughs> and he was actually bridesmaid in both was, the people's choice and the judge's choice. Was there gnashing of teeth in the crowd? Is it, is it realized or? Well, I mean, Remo is potentially... Um, the most consistent homemade salami maker in in the country. There, I said it. Well, one would hope so. Being, I mean, his know. his salami places well every year. The Palermo family are absolutely contenders, and Remo takes um, the competition seriously as as he should. And he makes beautiful salami, calabrese style salami. Well, he's, he's the runner up. I mean, hey, it's it's not chopped yeah. liver, is it? No, hey? and no. former champion. But the yeah. the, the um, competition was really very tight, and I'm so proud of everyone that entered. And I. And when you start something like this, as we did as a group of friends, we wanted to share the culture. Yeah, and, and this is and this is the Q, sharing of it. QED. I mean, it's it's happened, and and this is the great thing that this is something that's 
been absorbed by the greater part of Melbourne. And then also the very, very fact that you had thousands of people there. Thousands of people. Over the course of the weekend, um, there were well over 5,000 people who came. Yeah. And we plated up on Sunday alone over 4,000 plates of of tastings for homemade salamis. I mean, here was me. I was saying, yeah, Linda, come back. Be lovely to have a taste of the winner. And you went, <laughs> you dreaming kids. <laughs> gone. It's gone. Yeah. yeah, it is. So let's first of all congratulate you for something that is part of general society now. And that's that's a really, really congratulations. Thank all you so all much. sincerity. So what are you planning to do? Next year, to well, myself and my Salami Festa partner in crime, amazing Carlo Mazzarella. We've Hello, Carlo. Is Carlo? I hope he's listening. Maybe he's got some time off now. Yes. Hey, Carlucho. Yeah. Um, so he and I are going to get our, our heads together mm. and um, really imagine what the next year can be. Um, we were so excited to go over two days this year. So we had the Saturday night and the Sunday. Um, and we would be looking to extend those trading hours if we can to get more people involved. Mm. Um, and so we will hopefully be releasing our new um, – you know, a, a new program in the not-too-distant future, actually, because people are telling us that they want to put it in the calendar nice and early, and it'll be salami-making season before we know it. So Carlo and I... I um, think after the summer we're about to have, we'll probably need it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But in the wintertime, um, the Melbourne Salami Festa run workshops, and so Carlo and I will be getting our heads together to kind of block out when we will be doing that, and mm. we'll be letting people know. Um, and, of course, we'll then be encouraging all those people who make to enter the competition. Absolutely. Um, so, again, uh, Barbara... And the team, congratulations to you. Um, where are they from? They're from all over the place, actually. They're from in south the, of the, the border, though, weren't they? No, around that Doreen region. They all kind of come from... Um, Doreen, uh, that's on the way to Geelong, Doreen? It, oh, it's called, out Kilmore. Kilmore, yeah. Way? Anyway, out, um, out, well done to Barbara. Well done to you for... Um, Again, proving that, you know, one of the great ways that we understand cultures is by just the conviviality of the table and the appreciation of food. And we've seen it time and time again, haven't we? And it's just... And it's just a great way to celebrate. You know, once you get some food and music happening, the celebration takes care of itself. Bang. 12.18 here on 3RRR. So we're going to be moving from... The, the joy and uh, the celebration of the uh, the fermented meat that is salami to now uh, this other thing that some say is fermented. But um, does anybody know where the orchid or the uh, vanilla actually comes from? We're going to find out because we've got someone who grows it in Tonga next here on 3 R. Yeah, go the Mighty Union Club. Yes. They sponsored us years ago, didn't we they? We haven't heard from them in a while. Oh, good on you guys. Yeah. Um, so we move from um, Salami. Linda has gone off into the sunset, planning her next moves with the uh, Salami Fest. We congratulate her. But we're here to talk about another ingredient. And uh, the ingredient that we want to talk about is something wonderful, something so special and makes our lives so good. And we're talking about vanilla. A uh, welcome to the studios of Three Triple R, Jennifer Bogus. Hello. Hello. And uh, the very, very lovely, slightly curmudgeonly, <laughs> sometimes a bit naughty, <laughs> Matt Wilkinson. Hello. G'day, guys. Mark, come holy. Very, very, very well. Better for seeing your face. Um, now, you were Matt. You were in Tonga to uh, to come to the plantation, didn't you not? Yeah, so, what was it, two weeks ago now? Mm-hmm. Um, very fortunate myself and head chef Jason to mm. 
get taken over to Tonga by Jennifer and her family to meet their family business and what the, the amazing things they've been doing in Tonga, which mm-hmm. is um, the vanilla plantation and process and the um, um, coconut. Coconut, coconut, yes. Coconut plantation uh, and process. And um, yeah, we're going to hear about your impressions of that visit and how it got a little bit dicey getting off <laughs> to, to make it to a food festival. But, Jennifer, it's an interesting story how this plantation came about. And uh, it was something that, uh, through the actions of your dad, was it Was it not? That he was, uh, a v- uh, sounds like a very, very good Samaritan, and he was rewarded justly for his actions. Um, yes, indeed. My father's a retired dairy farmer from New Zealand, and he's a great spear fisherman. And his 60th birthday, he celebrated up in Vavau, and we all went up there. Yeah. And then there was a cyclone, and he um, went back and re- did a whole lot of rebuilding work, and that continued and has continued every year ever so since. W- which cyclone was this? Uh, cyclone Walker on New Year's Eve. Walker, Walker <laughs> the Wacker. <laughs> Walker came through and... Walker came through and was very destructive. As they are. And um, following a couple of sort of trips of rebuilding work, the chief of the village said to my father, knowing that he was a farmer, what can we do here? We've got all these young people. They've got no employment opportunity. Um, We want to create a business that, you know, the whole community can take part in. So that's sort of how it started. So that was in 2002 the Vanilla Farm came to be. So this was a magnanimous gesture by the by the chief um, because of what your dad did. And your dad really was did some extraordinary things. He organised all these friend people At that he knew. 60-odd. 60-odd. Carpenters, you know, the chip. Plumbers, electricians, he, he, he all really, sort of retired. What's your dad's name? John Ross. John's Army. He got, yeah. he got John's Army <laughs> organised, didn't he? Right, John's Army were going to parachute them in. And they did enormous amount of good. So and they've continued to do, you know, lots of projects: water projects, library, uh, medical projects on outer islands. So yeah, they've done. It's not just in the village that we're in. Yeah, now, okay. It's over the whole so how, how did John come up with the idea? He said, "You know what your answer is." Vanilla. Vanilla. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Um, well, because of the location of the island, it's and there's no re- uh, regular freight, so it couldn't be anything that was perishable. Mm. Um, and it had to be something, you know, due to the freight cost of getting it out of there, it had to be something that was fairly high value. You need something so, that you can really value add, and yeah. nothing works like that than vanilla. Mm. So and then he went on a bit of a vanilla worldwide journey, through, visited Costa Rica, <laughs> the, the Reunion Island. The vanilla discovery tour. <laughs> Tahiti, yeah, Madagascar, and found out how to grow vanilla. Yeah, right. Mm. How do you get vanilla? How do you get vanilla? Where does vanilla come from? (laughs) It's a rather magical, mystique sort of story. That um, It's an orchid plant. Uh, It has a flower that opens once once a year, and it has to be hand-pollinated within about four hours of the flower opening. The window closes very quickly on vanilla. Yeah, and so it's hand-pollinated. There's no bees. Um, And then nine months later, like a baby, you get a green vanilla bean that just looks like a runner bean. It looks like a green bean. When you you first see them, it's just like a bunch of of a hand. It's like a a handful of green fingers fingers coming down. And then, and that is actually the stamen of the flower or of the orchid. It's an orchid, mm. and it's the flower. Yeah, and it's full of seeds. 
then, yes, but there's no aroma or flavour or anything mm-hmm. at that green no, vanilla bean stage. So that all the magic happens really in the curing process and the drying process. So the way that I see it is that you need to you take it, you, you harvest it. Yes. And then you've got to disrupt the cell walls. You've got to, yeah. And that's why you steam it and heat it up, which ruptures the cell walls, yeah, which gets start, those phenolics happening. Starts the fermentation process. Is it oxidisation or is it fermentation? Fermentation. Oh, okay. And go. then they get wrapped up and um, sweated in airtight containers. We use old deep freezers that have um, not plugged in. So it's like a big airtight box. Yeah, right. get, yeah. This is the one that Harrison Ford uh, <laughs> was able to survive a nuclear explosion <laughs> in the movie. Anyway, he's in the fridge so without them yep so so this is a great insulator because you need them to sweat sweat. and this is the fermentation this is where the magic happened goes from green no aroma to black amazing over three months and then they go out into the sun once i've sweated yeah and and again every night just like Mm. little babies put out to some play in the sun and then brought back inside to go to bed but it's such work my god because just in in the growing, the establishing, you say, you know, I'd really like a vanilla plantation. You look out on your land and go, <laughs> yeah, it'd be really good to vanilla as you sip on your tea or whatever. The reality is that you, first of all, you have to grow plants that the orchid is going to attach itself to, don't you? Is that? Um, no, there are, it's like a climbing orchid plant that you loop and prune. And, oh, so yeah. you, you just got a whole bunch of trellis organised, did you? Yes. Well, you do oh, coconut husk trays. Mm. Sorry. Hi, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what? <laughs> no, this story is fascinating. I'll let, let, let Jen talk about it. But they're on coconut husk frames at oh, our Oh, that's farm. a first. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Couldn't help it. But sorry, so uh, unlike, uh, see, I visited a vanilla plantation in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and what they did was they grew another crop so that the vanilla could actually climb, yeah. and that took two years. Then you've got to, okay, so you've done it on a trellis. How long before you get your first bean? Uh, three years. <laughs> Clock's yeah. ticking, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So what was yeah. that like? Um, well, I wasn't even really thinking about vanilla then. I'm an accountant by trade, really? and my father was growing vanilla in some beautiful island. Dad's and lucky to have you. <laughs> the other side of things. And yeah. then he's like, oh, we've got these 45 kilos of vanilla beans on 2005, mm. and what are we going to do with them? So I was a bit of a foodie, took them back to a few chefs in New yeah. Zealand, and that's how it all started, really. And then I left my day job in 2008. So gotcha. No longer an accountant. Yeah, so this is uh, now a full-time thing. How much are you producing now after um, all these years? I'm about five tonne last year, so, yeah, 45 kilos to five tonne. <laughs> it's not just our farm. Our farm's such a small part of it now. It's yeah. more about the whole of the Tongan vanilla industry and building, you know, a great export income for the for Tonga, which is really, you know, a, a country that needs um, strong export revenue. That it doesn't how, have. How, how do the others share in this wealth creation? Um, well, we buy off growers. So it, they've got a ready market, which they haven't had before for their vanilla. So and it sort of encourages other growers to um, grow vanilla, really, because it's not any farmer that can grow vanilla, like you alluded to before. You know, you need a lot of patience, and it's an annual crop, so they haven't got like short-term crops like taro where... Um, yeah, it's different from growing radishes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, three yeah. months you're going to get some cash. You yes. know, you're only getting um, a return once a year. So they have to be special farmers. But what the guys at Halala are doing is um, they start off with that village and they've moved that village around. So Tonga being made up of five main islands and each island, the Vavu area was 155 islands. 
So working wow. not just on that main island, like spreading the love throughout all of the islands on Tonga, main island, and putting a real group together um, of farmers to give them an industry because there is actually nothing there. No. Because um, I, I remember that's what you, your first impression when we saw each other recently. You were talking about Tonga. said, it's pretty poor. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I've been to you know, some poor countries in the world, but it was in life they're very, very rich. Yeah, of course. Like yeah. such wonderful people, and the women like everything in the world are the hardest working. The guys are a bit, you know, a bit like, you know, a bit like you, Cam. You'll sit back, a bit, <laughs> a bit lazy, you know. But the, the hey, women, are, hey, women, are the, women are the real workers, and yes. um, but they're so such rich in life. But it is very basic. Like the food system, they don't really have a food cuisine. There's, there's four dishes. There's one dish that was there's, amazing. There's what is it? There's they're, 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 um, what's the taro? There's taro, taro, taro cassava. Yeah. Cassava. That's for fish. different stuff, though. Fish. Um, and the loo leaves. Loo, loo, loo yeah. And the what the leaves? Wrap, the taro leaf yeah. type thing. Yeah. That taro leaf. Stuff. Mm. But it's like corned beef, you know, so there's this amazing vanilla, and the, they've got a sweet tooth, but they don't really have a, a nas- national dishes, so, you know. So they haven't got a, so like like a cream caramel or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but amazing produce like what they grow in the soil systems and just the the fish is stunning stunning mm. but um the fascinating thing was seeing um the actual plantation but when I, when I was there we went over and just cooking with vanilla but just trying to showcase everybody knows vanilla is like a creme caramel vanilla ice Correct. cream we yeah, know vanilla it is, ice cream which we've been, which is bombarded mostly vanilla ice cream with um artificial with vanilla. artificial vanilla which yeah yeah, which I think Jen should, should talk about because that is that pure difference. It's like, you know, no, truffles might not be for everybody. No. Um, gold might not be for everybody. Right. Well, I think it will. Where you I going? like white gold. Where are you going but with this, man? Something like a fresh vanilla bean yes. or the, the vanilla paste is mm. there's a sensational aroma in there. So it, it, in the cooking, all I tried to showcase was um, it has a spice, like chocolate used to be originally. Now we just eat chocolate as a chocolate, or we see it as a dessert. One, is, of, one of the best dishes I've had in my life was um, a prawn dish that had vanilla in it. Like, uh, so yeah, far well, as crustaceans go, my God, vanilla well, fish, is amazing. Yeah, well, if you think fish, butter, cream, vanilla, yes. and you add, then you think about, say, lobster thermidor. Like one night I did the amazing crayfish, oh, a vegetarian, yeah, yeah. just in straight garlic, basil, parsley, well, Thai basil. Um, parsley and vanilla butter and just put them on the barbecue set the barbecue on fire but hey (laughs) (laughs) Um, amazing so um, there was one dish that we did with coconut oil and the um, vanilla powder in a brown red rice salad with lots of chilli through it so you got a sweet like there's elements of sweet natural sweet tones Mm. in vanilla and the great thing about vanilla is it gives a dish (sighs) great length too doesn't it yeah and it's it's, it's persistence that makes it incredible I made a classic Thai red curry um, and instead of using um, palm sugar, mm-hmm. use vanilla-flavoured sugar mm-hmm. um, to to balance, you know, the the sweet um, fish sauce flavour. Yeah, um, and um, acid, and using the Tongan limes over there. Like we went to the market. So lime and vanilla works well. Yeah, yeah. There Stunning. you go. So there's a, there's a great affinity there for you folks. So so maybe if people want to think about using real vanilla in maybe a dish that's unexpected, what, what would you suggest? Well, I think the first thing you've got to do is, A, if you can be bothered to make, just straight custard. Yeah. Make a custard. Get, yeah. get, go buy a vanilla bean. Go yeah. buy, especially, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything, but well, go and buy a, a fresh Hale Alar we'll vanilla bean. And we'll where we can get them in a Or stick. the paste, right? Yeah. And then get the synthetic, just plain old, what we all know, 
$3 thing from the supermarket, right? Yeah, maybe Make even. custard. Yes. You get three eggs, um, 100 grams of sugar, some vanilla. Yes. Say, what's that? So 500 mils of milk. 500. Bring it to the boil, pour it over. Thing, and then just taste the difference between the two. But yeah. first of all, before you do that, touch the vanilla bean, smell <laughs> it, have a look at it. I think Jen's the best person to say. How do What's the to best? To assess it. You know, because I've, I've seen some vanilla beans in supermarket and in, you know, really good places where they're selling, but it's like this dried... Shriveled up shriveled old, up yes. Old thing. It's like, well, that's great. Just blitz that and put that through sugar. But Did So I'll let Jen talk about the, you know, what, how do you identify All right, a good so, bean? So just to paraphrase that, and I think Matt, um, old Scoop Steadman over here has been busily <laughs> writing this down, the, the fact is that think about it with um, with crustaceans is really, really interesting. Prawns are probably a little bit cheaper than the the lobsters that uh, Matt's been throwing on the fire. <laughs> but, you know, hey, hey. Kingfish, like, like a, I think sashimi, like tuna or the kingfish. Hiri, 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 so and put a little bit of vanilla bean through the citrus, you know, like a classic A ponzu type of thing. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of vanilla through that is amazing. It sounds good. Okay, now, I have seen, I've seen things in supermarkets, some that make me blanch. Um, but the vanilla beans are very much the first thing that you showed me in the, when we f- just met. And uh, the first thing you did was you, uh, you wrapped the vanilla bean around your finger. Yeah, Couldn't like do that with those supermarkets in, I mean, those things in the supermarket. How do we assess vanilla? Uh, well, the first thing is if you can wrap it around your finger like a ribbon and it doesn't mm-hmm. break. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the smell. And the uh, yeah, and the aroma, and also the shine and the plumpness to a vanilla bean. Shouldn't, yes, it shouldn't be dull, and yeah, and it should be quite moist. Mm. Um, some say that uh, some vanilla beans should have the f- uh, a frosting on the on the outside of them. Vanillin crystals is a good sign if they're um, like near a, f- a fridge or something. They get cold. The vanillin crystals appear, um, and they condense out, do they? Yeah, oh, but brilliant. sometimes it can be mistaken for mold, which can also. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's very, very expensive mold yeah. because uh, synthetic vanillin. Uh, can be created, but the real thing is about a hundred times uh, more expensive. Yeah, but it's a completely different flavour. It's like mm. chalk and cheese. It is indeed. Okay, so now uh, where, how on earth do we find this? Maybe we should take a photo of this, Matt, so maybe people can uh, recognise the brand. Where can we get it at the moment? So, Hala La Vanilla, you can find at Thomas Duck Stores, Coles Gourmet Selections, and some selected Coles stores. Coles and, Gourmet? Yeah. Didn't even and, know they had such a thing. <laughs> and specialty retail and deli stores, but they're all listed on our website, halalavanilla.com.au. Yeah. If, uh, if we're uh, someone in food service, if we're a chef um, and we want to, uh, we want, hey, come on, we're not paying retail, we want wholesale. How do we do that? I've just got contact us through the website and we can either okay, direct moving. or. Yeah with our distributor um congratulations uh on this great industry that's helping so many people that was started by a very very generous act so we should acknowledge your father and and what he did for being a good human being and from this plantation reputations grow and um and and the islanders will grow with it so it's a wonderful thing great product uh wonderful story and as Matt said, try the custard test. I mean, <laughs> a, a, a real vanilla, custard. real vanilla. What did you say there? Custard. 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 Try the custard test. You'll be amazed. <laughs> you will. And Ian Bolson, who, no, no, it's that other one. The Jeffrey Boyko. Yeah, thank you. I yeah. always get them mixed up. 12.38.
The night they invented champagne. We've got the perfect person to talk about that. Rita Ehrlich's in. Um, I'm sure Matt's going to hang around for a drink. You hang around for a drink? Yes, always. Oh, thank you. And Jennifer, thank you very, very much for coming in. You want a little glass of champagne too? I'd love a little. Oh, well, come on. We're mm-hmm. around so we <laughs> All right. Um, stay tuned to 3 Triple RFM. Rita Ehrlich is next. Talking champagne. I uh, love it. Matt's cracking the whip here. You just know like, it. Everyone's just getting a little bit excited. <laughs> it's just got a little bit excited, folks, because we've got some sparkling There's wine in There's some wine here. in the vicinity. And we're not talking any sparkling wine. Oh, no. The, you know, the French came down hard on us during the 80s, said that, no, 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 you will not call it this. But we've got the real thing. And we've got the real McCoy to talk about it. Rita Ehrlich. Welcome back. Thank you. My opening words when I arrived in the studio was, oh, I forgot to bring glasses. You said so. Uh, because you can't, you can't really swig neck a bottle of champagne. Oh, no. And what no, about, what, no. what do you think about, you know, there was a time there, fancy openings where you would have little splits of champagne oh, they're still with a straw. Around. They're what still around. Thoughts? Thoughts? Uh, I like a bigger bottle myself in a glass. Yeah, me too. Me too. You want to see but, the... Uh... But, but that was a really, really clever idea and part of the whole marketing exercise to make champagne less like a an older person's celebratory drink to a young person's hip drink. And dare I say it, here is a alcoholic concoction, which is an absolute masterpiece of marketing. Oh, it's more than that, I reckon. It's yes. a it's a masterpiece of winemaking. Yes. Good good champagne's a masterpiece of winemaking. And marketing never hurt anything. Mm. Shall we go back? Let's talk about the beginnings of um, champagne. First of all, champagne, it's a name. It's Latin. Yes. Uh, yes, it comes from field. Campagna. Yes, which because is, it which is the in fact, um, Latin, but uh, Italian, but Campania will let that pass. Mm. Um, and it's, it comes from the fields because they're chalky, mm. um, chalky soil, chalky. You've and seen this thing. Now, what is a chalky soil like? Because it, we as oh, Australians, we have no reference. Do we have any chalky soils here? Not I think I not. No. no, I don't think what we do. What does a chalky soil look like other um, than white? It's white. It's white. It's white. Actually reflects light amazingly. Is it porous? Um, you can dig tunnels in it, mm. and that's what the Romans did when they came into the area yeah. um, a good two and two thousand years ago or more. So we're getting rid of those pesky Gauls. Well, yes. And what are we going to do? How are we going to build? We will quarry this. Um, funny right, we're stuff. Gonna, we're going to dig it up. We're going to Let's dig, it, dig up. it up. So they built the most extraordinary, extraordinary holes in the ground. Yeah. No, are, no one can dig a hole like a Roman. No, nobody. No. Or build a straight Mate, road. Check it out. Um, and those, the, the, those kind of underground turret tunnels, tunnels they yeah. built yes. are at, or underground quarries they built. Mm. They dug uh, became champagne tunnels, tunnels for sh- storing champagne in. Though sometime that didn't happen for centuries and centuries, because initially, sometime in the 18th century, someone disc fell through a hole, I think, and thought, "Oh, <laughs> where is Jean Paul? <laughs> Jean Paul, where are you? <laughs> yeah. He was here a minute ago. Yeah, I saw him in his. And book. they 
I thought, oh, it's well, slightly damp, hello, dark, hello, hello. beautiful for Ooh. growing mushrooms. Yes, or making... Or so they grew mushrooms in the tunnels. Mm. And then later someone said, you know what? You know what this might work for? Might work for storing the bottles. Gotcha. gotcha. And so they did. And there are, and they linked up tunnels and all sorts of things. The, the best tunnels you get around uh, Reims. Mm-hmm. Or reams. How um, do you say that properly? Reims. <laughs> Which is what you say when you when you're about to open a bottle of champagne. So it's not reams. <laughs> or or having trouble with it. Yeah. I might pass you the bottle actually. Oh, I'd be happy happy to do that. But yeah. um, you know, so uh, now let's go back. So we've got the the um, the Romans originally um, grew some some wine there, but. The whole thing about Champagne was here is a here's a geographical area that's north of uh, northeast of Paris. It's very very cold in the winter, and the first thing that the, the those those people around there looked at and they looked with envy at the Burgundians and God, they grow good wine, don't they? Yeah, well they do. They but, did, but they but were envious, see, but, weren't they? Well, I don't know. Well, apparently, I've got I've, no I've got no I've, written I've, evidence. Well, of that. Well, <laughs> no one said to me. Well, according to Jancis Robinson. Um, yes, there was envy in the, with the Burgundians and they wanted to make a good wine. But the fact is that the problem was that the winters were too cold, so it stopped the fermentation. Yes, and then spring came and it started again. Boom, and usually while it was in the bottle. Yes, though, and then they learnt to control it and someone discovered... Um, it might have been Dom Perignon, it might have been anyone else, that if um, you blend these wines and put them all together and add a bit more yeast and a bit more sugar and put the lid on really tightly mm. and let them go through their own fermenting way, um, you get a gorgeous wine. Mon Dieu. With says, bubbles. Mon Dieu, but, you know, they, they say that one of the most dangerous jobs in... That, that part of the 19th century was to be actually in the cellars because apparently about half the bottles failed and they'd be they'd exploding everywhere. Oh, really? Mon, 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 mon Dieu. And, 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 and apparently it was an, actually an Englishman that came up with the design and actually b- made a better champagne bottle. That's the, what the English say, I would think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they would, because, but... You think about, okay, I'm holding up a very uh, a lovely bottle of wine that you've brought, but, actually. Yeah, but we'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. But if Put you look away. at... Uh, no, 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 you can yeah. open it. Oh, okay. um, let everyone listen to the sound of a bottle we being opened well, properly. What did you want to discuss? Um, we do that? I wanted to say that if you look at old champagne bottles from the 18th century, they're pretty much that shape, and I don't think... I think most bottles were roughly that shape, and I don't think the English can claim credit for oh, it. I'd like to, but they, it's, there's an enormous amount of pressure in this bottle. If you are holding a champagne bottle, you should know that it has the same amount of pressure in this bottle as in the tyres of your car. Oh, really? Three to four atmospheres. And you wouldn't drink from them? No, no, not at all. (laughs) Uh, um, So you're... Never, never, never shake a bottle before you open it. It'd be vulgar. <laughs> uh, it would, but that's all right. We don't yeah. mind a bit of velvet. And, and what about the and what about the whole idea of uh, there are two? Some say that if you open a champagne cork in a restaurant, it should come out with a sigh and not a pop. But then there's others, myself included. It who depends on pop? Who, well, it depends on what time of the scene. evening. And I'm sure Maddie Wilkinson would have been of the same thing. That um, if you aim it at about 45 degrees, you get the maximum distance from a cork. He, he, Probably do. Have you never known that? 
No. Greater. No, because someone else always opens ah, that yeah, bag for okay. me. All right. So do you want to talk about this, this glorious now, bottle I that have, you brought I, for I us? Have, I have brought a bottle of Piper Heidsick. Piper Heidsick um, is one of the Heidsick family. They were a big family. There are lots of Heidsick labels. Mm. My absolute favourite is Charles. Charles Heidsick. Absolutely. Charles, is that Champagne Charlie? Yeah, that yeah, was Champagne sure was. Charlie. Yeah. Um, Great marketer. Absolutely. Mm. Now, Piper and Charles were made in the same house. Um, that is the the same people make the same wines, mm. uh, same champagnes. They're both really, really good. They're very different. Uh, Piper's kind of um, more fun, I think you'd say. Mm. Piper's what you drink on a summer's day. Uh, or a winter's day or a spring day, you know. What, you're what, what, you're what, sounding like Madame Clicquot, <laughs> how do I enjoy champagne? But when we first started this, this whole thing of champagne, the champagne houses, we have Madame Clicquot, who was the great businesswoman. There was Dom Perignon, who wasn't so much about tasting stars, but was about dealing with the secondary fermentation. Yep, that's and then right. these Germans came in. I the think Krugs, the Heinz Six. six. They'd yeah. all, they'd always been around, no, I think, they always were. because... <laughs> Um, because it was so close. It's not far from the German border, yeah. and borders aren't that, you know. Not but as as champagne, recently. they are fluid. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. All right, here we go. So, we've, uh, got, we've got glasses now. Sun's over the Adam. You excited, Maddie? Always. Always. Yeah. Yes. Jennifer, uh, you looking forward to a little need, glass too? I did say we need something vanilla flavoured to accompany yeah. the champagne, but we'll all have to go off and find something to cook later. With I actually brought some vanilla rice pudding. Uh, oh, we have got some. Here we go. Uh, Piper Heidsick uh, on the count of one, two, and. Ooh, oh. nicely done. Oh, not so nicely <laughs> done. <laughs> no, that's all right. Well, I nearly got some on your purse. <laughs> just giving the carpet a bit of a drink that's there. Right. There we go. And that is very good luck. And may I just say that my mum, who was, she described herself as a professional champagne drinker. If you ever spill champagne, the first thing that my mum would do would be put a little bit behind her ears, smile and say, it's good luck. It's always a good and, way to get out of a problem, I think. And, and you believed her, of course. She, she was one who was – you had to believe her, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, because yeah. you always believe your mum. Well, she was actually – she, her nickname was actually the Grand Dame. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, what was her favourite champagne? Uh, Grand Dame. Ah, of course. Yeah, that's why she was called the Grand Dame. That's, a, that's the luxury now, brand of uh, uh, Clicquot. Clicquot. And they all have um, – they all have luxury oh, brands. Or God, that smells brands. good. That is French champagne, and that is—is is that the thing that personifies great French champagne? Is that beautiful yeasty note? Um, oh God, I get the pen full. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Sorry, He's I didn't got... mean to say. <laughs> I am drinking from the ugliest glass in three triple R that has yes, it was survived. A, it was a port glass, circa nineteen seventy-three. This is this is like a cockroach of the glass world. Oh no, that's unkind. It served its purpose in yeah, its time. A long time ago. <laughs> All right. So here we are. We've got the the real McCoy. It is a sensation. Well, it's just this great drink. A, now, this a flute been... or a coupe? Let's let's uh, talk about a, that uh, in the no, last. Not not a coupe. There are a couple of reasons why you don't want a coupe. Mm. One is that it goes. Can't flat. get the children in the back. Oh no, we're talking about one. Yes, go. On. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't get the kids in you the back of the champagne in. coupe yeah. anyway. Uh, it's just not big enough. Mm. Um, oh. 
Um, a tulip or a flute is much better than a coop because a coop is shallow. You don't get the bubbles don't rise. No, you spill them. it easy if you're and wandering no, around. No, no, and it warms up really quickly. Yeah, because it's held in the hand. Is it really based on the breast of Marie Antoinette? I should know. Did I know? Hands off the Queen, Rita. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what they say. Yeah, that is that was that, that that's was the legend. An, and, and I would have alleged. to say that um, women now would give, and certainly I would give a much more generous glass than she did. Yes, because coops are fairly small, mm. um, and not terrible. I mean. Yeah, they they don't they don't hold the bubble, which is the the great fun of champagne well, or sparkling thing, wine. This is the thing that people have spent centuries putting, you know, refining so that you get carbon dioxide it, in solution. Now, think in about the think about other fizzy drinks Let's or, spark, do that. or sparkling drinks. The thing that makes champagne so or sparkling wine so good, so refreshing, mm. is is that prickle on the tongue. It's why sparkling mineral water is um, more refreshing than flat. Yes. It's why <laughs> freshly opened cold beer is more ref- refreshing than flat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you mean like... <laughs> flat warm beer. Flat warm ale that maybe Matt Wilkinson might like to drink. Um, well, because he's English. Just, just trying to be provocative <laughs> here. Do you, actually, cellular level, you know what's happening there? That, that's that interesting. Carbonic acid, apparently. Is coming into a solution on your tongue, and that's that prick Carbo- that you feel. Car- carbonic, carbonic acid. acid. Mm. That sounds like something you wash with. Oh no, that's carbolic acid. Carbolic. No, you don't want that. No, I don't want but that. But that's um, that's the beauty. So you get yeah, this so lovely, refreshing no, you, thing on the tongue. you get you get a number of things going on at once if mm. you can take the time to do it, because you get these lovely aromas, and every area oh, has, good. and every house has its own aromas, and so some of them smell a bit custody and some of them smell like baked bread and some of them smell like brioche and some of them smell of flowers in the room and so you get all these gorgeous smells and then you get this lovely cool prickle on your tongue Mm -hmm. and um, I think it was Madame Bollinger yeah. Who said, or someone, one of the women said that the the great virtue of um, drinking champagne endlessly is that you don't get wrinkles. I think her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a bit like no, Marie Antoinette. Yeah. <laughs> nice marketing department spin there. Absolutely, you shall not age if you drink this work, stuff. Yeah, it, if it works, it works, and it's it's cheaper than most face creams. Yeah. I tell you. Yeah. Um, so. Is that true or not? I don't know. Do you do you drink champagne with a meal? Why not? Um, I think champagne and food is... Well, uh, actually, maybe can. we'll go around the room. I'd love to hear from Matt Wilkinson what his ultimate um, champagne food match is. Throughout my time at Cirque, I did a lot of wine matching with, you know, Great Burgundians and Bordeaux. But mm. I think one of the most funniest matches... Well, fun because it just sits through it all from start all the way to the finish. Is champagne from different years, yeah. different vintages, yeah. some some old like seventy eight, seventy nines that have flat, no bubbles, but taste fizzy in the palate with these great like yeasts and and powerful, powerful, vintage powerful. Wine. powerful yeah. Yeah. That are just wonderful. Something with like a bottle of sh- so simple, but a bottle of champagne with a roast chicken. Like you really? think, yeah. Like roast chicken with it's got like a nice garlicky buttery yeah. element, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. so fat that it can cut yeah. through. This yeah. might, might sound crazy as well if you get it, like put your nose in there and smell parsnip. 
You put oh, a little bit of roasted parsley yeah. with a little bit of vi- I know vanilla's here, but a little bit of vanilla, roast chicken. What sort of vanilla would you use? Oh, I don't know, some synthetic stuff from the coast. <laughs> <of> the <laughs> That's the idea, just a few drops. <laughs> <in that country>. Jennifer's <laughs> <laughs> just blanched in the, in the back there. So, but anyway, parsley with that, good Tongan vanilla. Yes. Yeah, think that creme brulee that yeah, we had yeah. before. Yeah, think, that's right. think peaches roasted, right, with a little yeah. bit of mascarpone on top. Think just straight raw tuna. Oh. Don't do soy. Do like a little, like, hint of, of lemon acid. Yes. It's, like you talked about before, bread, there's so many tones in yes. that it's so fun to do dishes with that you wouldn't think. Yeah. yeah. Now the other one I love, what do you love is Rita? a good uh, rosé champagne, Laurent Perrier rosé. They're fun. They're, they're, Isn't it fun in the glass? Well, no, they're be- they're better than fun. They're, well, it's they're kind of serious fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're serious oh, fun. Put the children um, to bed, will you? Yeah, yeah that's okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> and put the cat out. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is serious. Serious. Okay. Um, and uh, quail, roasted quail. Oh, um, yeah, you like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. delicious. Yeah. Like game birds, like guinea fowl as well is stunning with, and partridge is really, really stunning. But then you can, honestly, you can't beat going back to like prawns. Yeah. Something yeah. Su- that sweetness, that natural yep. of prawns, of oysters, everybody knows oysters, clams, just like raw clams or just, just, just baked clams, stunning with it as well. And the other thing you can do, which is really, really simple, and this is what Christian Paul Roger used to do, you open a bottle of champagne and you put out some really good Parmesan cheese. Bang. Can I Can I do one of my favourites? Yeah, sure. Parmesan crackers. Yes. So Parmesan, lots of butter in there. Yeah. Little hint of cayenne. Yeah. Right? You know, just a lovely a sable. Mm. Parmesan sable. You get the fat in the mouth. You get that lift of the Parmesan. And the beautiful thing is the champagne just goes... And clean. Wipes it clean. And so that you're gorgeous. hungry again for another... Yeah, oh, and you just go, yeah, I would, yeah. Have, a, I would have another one of yeah, these. that would do. That'd be very good. Yeah. Um, and, and, all right, so this we've touched on... On champ, we never even got into the war. Time just runs out. We did have 20 minutes. But um, the fact is that we now have all this beautiful sparkling wine that we make here in this country. Can you nominate some of the, the great and the good that you love? Great and good I love. Aris is great and good. Mm. Um, Brown Brothers make a gorgeous, gorgeous sparkling mm. from Tasmania. Clover Hill. Uh, Clover Hill is another. Um, and then you've got all the red sparklings, and they're, they're a Whoa, bit of fun too. Yeah. So, yeah, there we are. N- uh, next time I'll talk about how all the tunnels were bricked up to keep them from... We did to do that, didn't we? Yeah. From the, from the bloody Bosch. From, from the Germans during the war. The Bosch. And the trouble with wars is that people die, so a lot of people died without telling anyone how they'd bricked up a wall or where it was. So they're still discovering uh, bricked up walls and caches of champagne behind... They <laughs> found behind Jean-Claude Stunham full of the... <laughs> oh, that's what happened to full Francois. Of, full of Krug, <laughs> which, uh, which is good. So, look, it's um, it, it, while you're sitting around a function, if you manage to have a, a glass, if you're lucky enough to have a glass of champagne, uh, remember, it goes with all sorts of food. Maddie, thank you for those, uh, those wonderful dishes. And people. Oh, well put. Yeah. Yeah, it goes with lots and lots of people. It makes people smile together. Yeah. Does it not, as it is doing here? Rita, it's been a pleasure to see you. Come back and we'll talk about those tunnels soon, huh? Yes, we will. Um, and uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming in and telling us about Tongan vanilla. Hey, la, la. Vanilla. Hey, la, la. <laughs>
And uh, Maddie, always a, a pleasure to see you, my cheeky man. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, one o'clock. We should go, shouldn't we? We should scream it down there on next. Are they in there? They're behind me, aren't they? No, they're over there. Yes, they're waving. Wow. All right, we're going we're gonna to do a handball to them. Totes. As uh, they take it away. Thank you, guests. Thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, we look forward to seeing you next week. And we're going to finish off this bottle of champagne. Woo-hoo. See you soon. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.